I mean, I've seen fractional ownership programs before, but you still have ownership. So you've still got the inherent problems of owning the asset. If you then have four different owners wanting to do four different programs, you've got challenges with that. Fractional ownership can still be contentious and difficult. With this, there's no ownership. You just step on and step off. Lou, thank you for joining me. I appreciate it. Thank you. So you're the head of sales for Exclusive Yachts? Yes. Okay. So I want to dive into what it is, who you're serving, and then also you were a captain for and crew member for quite a while. So yep. I want to dig into some of that. But if we can, can you give us a background on what Exclusive Yachts is? Sure. And we'll go from there. Okay. Well, Exclusive Yachts is a membership-based club, if you will. Um, and as, as we've discussed previously, you know, the jet cards thing is, is a great analogy for it. Right. Um, with a jet card, you buy hours of flight per year that you can use across a range of jets in a range of locations for a range of purposes. With us, you get to use your yacht points across a range of yachts in an endless number of locations. And the beauty of it is that you just step on and you step off. So it has taken away from yacht ownership, all the hassles involved in owning a yacht, uh, all the maintenance and yeah. uh, what's required with that aspect of it. The cost is a factor and just the general headaches involved with yacht ownership. Yeah. And it's, it's removed all of that from the equation. And also over chartering, we're trying to elevate the experience a little bit as well. Um, okay. We're providing regularity. We have a concierge, our in-house concierge service and developing our own web app. Um, and, you know, that will all provide our members with the easiest way to get on the boat and the best ultimate experience. Okay. So how, how did this come about? What was, the, what was the gap in the market that you guys saw? What was, what was the feedback that kind of led to this? Well, our founder, Josh Linkner, who is a, a, an amazing tech startup guy, um, he has been involved in yacht ownership and saw a lot of those pain points. Experienced them himself. Yes, yeah, yeah firsthand. <laughs> so, um, so discussions began and, um, and the company was formed around fixing that problem, um, you know, finding the solution to it. Okay. Um, and so then Exclusive Yachts was born out of that. All right, interesting. And so, uh, the one of the one of the main things that I've seen as you guys have pre-launched and then launched and going through yeah. all this stuff is the it's like the net jets of yachting. Um, so why why look at this model as a way to solve that problem? Well, I guess you know, as opposed to solving. Sorry, as opposed to solving the net jets. No, solving like, well, the yachting solution. Well, because like so in aviation, NetJets oh, yeah. is is has kind of solved this problem for their owners. Sure. So, so why take a similar approach to oh, solve I this see. problem? It, I mean, really, now I look at it in retrospect, it seems really obvious to me. Okay. And when the company, when I first started speaking to them earlier this year, I was like, Yeah, wow. I mean, I've seen fractional ownership programs before, but you still have ownership. So you've still got the inherent problems of owning the asset. And, okay. you know, the costs are still there. Yes, they're mitigated somewhat, you know, by that shared ownership. But if you then have four different owners wanting to do four different programs, you've got challenges with that. Um, and I've seen some of that firsthand with a, um, a company in Europe that I was involved with for a little while. Um, so 
fractional ownership can still be contentious and difficult. And of course, you still own the asset. With this, there's no ownership. You just step on and step off. Okay. So with fractional ownership, you're on a particular, <clears throat> excuse me, you're on a particular yacht. You buy a quarter of it, an eighth yeah. of it, and then you, okay. So you still have the captain, crew, management company, yeah. maintenance costs, yeah. all of these things are still going to pop up. And because you're a fractional owner in a specific asset, you still have to, you know, take ownership of the issues, Correct. find the solutions, and then you have the costs associated with that. Bingo. Okay. Yeah, so. absolutely. But the other thing I find with this as well, and, you know, I guess it's why people have, you know, the charter industry has grown so much in the last few years, particularly is the flexibility involved with this program. And that's what I loved. Okay. Um, you know, if you've got a yacht here and you want to go boating in New England, how do you do that? Short of relocation fees and the costs involved, it, it, you can't do it. You're going to end up chartering anyway. You will end up chartering anyway. Okay. And so, so then you guys have, how does that work? So how do you solve that problem? Like, do you, you go to different yacht owners in these locations or... How, how do you set that up? Yeah, great question. We've got a number of different avenues that we've worked with that. In some cases, we've got some exclusive use agreements with your owners. Um, some of those have been done direct. In other cases, we've worked through some great charter managers, yacht managers in different locations. And it's just for us a question of ensuring that the fleet meets the standards that we're trying to maintain. And that is good yachting standards. Sure. Um, it's not some of the, the day boat charters that you've seen around the place. Um, so we're trying to make sure it's all a good standard. And, uh, and we've got, you know, a number of different agreements. We can make it work with, with good yacht managers, charter managers, um, or directly with owners. Okay. Is, and that's who you've been primarily focused on working with and building yeah. that relationship yeah, with? Yeah, for the fleet acquisition, as it were. Got um, it. Yeah. And we've needed to build that out this summer. We have. We've got some great relationships now with boats that were based up in New England for the summer. They're obviously heading south come winter. We've got some others in the Bahamas now. Um, Naples is very strong for us. Um, and we've got a good fleet here already. Nice. Um, and of course, our key market initially was Midwest folk who have a second home in Naples. Um, There's quite a few yeah, people that fit that. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that, was, that was sort of the key. Our initial demographic were people that fit into that, that sort of that mold. Um, but we're now expanding beyond that already. And, and I, I mean, I see on LinkedIn, you're traveling everywhere. You're... It's been a busy summer. Okay. So where are the main <laughs> places that you're, you're starting to offer this? Well, we, you know, our home port is Naples. This is where the company is based. Um, and this is where we consider our, our home port. Um, this summer, however, we did events up in Newport, and then out to Nantucket as well. Um, and we also went to the Newport Charter Show. Um, so it's been a great summer. Any excuse to get me to Nantucket, that's, that's a good excuse. Yeah. And you were <laughs> down in the Bahamas? Oh, yes. I, I went over there um, to see some of the yachts um, and also to, to meet a member over there. Um, and uh, yeah, I've also been to the Bahamas for a bit of fun on the side as well. So I don't blame you. You do that. Yeah. <laughs> You got to mix it in while yeah. you're going. Otherwise, you, you get burnt out if you're, if you're just going nonstop. It can't be all work and no play, right? Yeah, agreed. Well, and so when you start, all right, so when you're looking at these 
different yachts. I saw on, on the site, you've got the different size yes. classes yeah. and there's the point system, but what are you guys looking for in the yachts themselves? Are you looking for a certain standard of care? Are you looking for a certain mission that it can accomplish? What factors are actually going into how you build this fleet? Yeah, great question. We, we really have quite a range, even if we take our core fleet here in Naples, we've got a range of yachts from 35 feet up to 76 feet. Um, so there's sort of something for everyone in that range. Sure. Um, one of the dark horses is a 44-foot catamaran, an Aquila catamaran that is, um, I think, fantastic for a 44-foot cat or mm -hmm. 44-foot boat. It's got so much space. They're so wide. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I've always loved a cat anyway, but, um, but I think that's a great boat. And particularly here where it's quite shallow, they can get in and around a lot more too. Mm -hmm. So I think that's pretty cool. So... You know, whether it's sort of, you know, day trip out with the kids on a, a smaller boat, you know, we've got open sports boats or right up to corporate entertaining on something like this, we can cover all bases. Sure. Now, we also go to larger yachts as well. We've been working a lot with a 110 Horizon, which is sensational. Um, it's a lot of boat for 110 feet. The interiors are spectacular. Okay. Um, and that's the yacht that we were in Newport with. They're heading down to Fort Lauderdale for the winter. Um, and you know, that sort of yacht, it really could cater pretty comfortably for up to five couples or fantastic for corporate, corporate stuff as well. Okay. Interesting. So you'll, so that's, yeah, once you get in that size range, it might be a handful of couples that want to do yeah. a collective couples trip. And then what have you seen for the corporate side? Like how are people using this on the corporate side? There's a range of uses for it. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's endless, but as far as within a company goes, you know, whether it's team rewards, staff recognition, that sort of thing, um, you know, and particularly here, for example, where it could be staff member of the month gets a day out on one of the smaller yachts every month. I mean, what a winner. Yeah. How to motivate people. Um, or whether it's entertaining clients or prospects. Okay. Board meetings. Um, a very popular one. And the Horizon would be a sensational platform for board meetings. Yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind doing a board yeah. meeting on a 110-foot yacht. It wouldn't be too shabby, would it? It wouldn't no. be the worst board meeting. <laughs> no. And we're doing special events as well in a corporate sense now, um, working on some different events coming up for the winter season from Miami through to Naples as well. Okay. And this boat is on charter? Yes. Or yeah. in, as part it's of the It's part of club. our fleet. Okay. It's, it's a boat that we've got, you know, it is part of our fleet here. But, you know, if we've got access to the boat, Great. It's not necessarily a boat that we need to manage and control. Um, as long as we know the crew and we know the boat, sure. then great. Well, so if these are owned by individual owners or maybe they e even fractional owners can put this in, um, well, how do you work with the owners and with people that want to use the points and do all that stuff? How do, how do you avoid that, I guess, conflict that would come with fractional ownership? Well, it's a little different to, to fractional. As far as the points go, our members join up. They pay one-time initiation fee and then buy their points for the year. Okay. Um, and we've got some flexibility there with points and membership ranges. We're trying to, we will try and match the, the membership to suit their, their usage of yachts. Um, some of that's a little forecast. So if they don't use all their points, we'll roll them over, et cetera, et cetera. We can help them out with more points if they need it. Um, 
But as far as the dealing with the owners of the boats, we convert those points back to dollars and pay the owners a, a fee for charter, okay. a fee for service. Got it. So you guys just line up the schedules, make sure that it's yep. available. It's yep. not in the yard at that time under maintenance and yes. all that stuff. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Um, and as far as the points go with us, our goal is to have the points cover everything except for your provisions for the day. That's usually the only extra. So they'll cover the fuel, they'll cover the, the crew gratuities, um, dockage, obviously. Okay. It's all included. So, and I know when one of the things that you sent me, it's you compare the cost of what you guys are doing versus ownership versus yeah. charter. So I know with ownership, you you have an asset, but it's a huge amount per year. I think the average now is whatever the cost of the boat is, it's about 15% of that yes. overall cost yeah. per year. So if you have a yeah, million dollar boat, you're at yeah. $150,000 yeah. for insurance, maintenance. The all insurance that. is a big one now too. It's, it's huge. It's insane. Yeah. I, I, I talked to some customers and it's like, hey, you know, what are you, what are you paying for insurance? It's yeah. like uh, 60,000, 70, 100,000 It was year. Bill Moore on one of your other mm-hmm. episodes that was speaking, you were speaking about this with it. It's insurance is crazy right now. It's it's wild. But yeah. so you have that part of ownership and you, you have all the things that come with it. Plus you have yeah. to stay on top of maintenance, yes. all this stuff. And the dockage. Dockage. All of that stuff. I mean, the numbers there were amazing. Um, our CEO created, created that um, so that we could, demonstrate the difference, you know, in the numbers. And the difference between ownership and doing something like this is extraordinary. Um, you know, when you really break it down and the average yacht use is only about 24 days a year. Yep. So it's just a no-brainer when you look at it from that perspective. Sure. Yeah. And then you have the rest of the year where you're not. Yeah. It just sits there depreciating in the water. And so you have the charter side. So on... I think the numbers were actually for this boat, if I'm not in the... It was based on this okay. boat, yeah. So I know that the, the charter side ended up being X amount for yeah. a day versus a day using this. And this was several thousand dollars less per day. So what are some of the ways that you set this up to actually deliver this experience, but at a lower cost? Sure. I mean, in this instance, we have an agreement direct with the owners of the boat, and that's great. We do try and provide our members with some um, value advantage okay. through the club at all times, but it's just the simplicity of it when, you know, they pay for it with their points out of their account with us. Um, so yacht points get used and that covers everything. So there's no, you know, I don't need to bring on X amount of 100 for crew tip or worry about paying for the fuel or anything extra like that. It's all in- included in it. Okay. So it's just the simplicity of that aspect of it that I think is really appealing. Imagine if you had full control of your boat, you felt safer, eliminated the unknown, and you were able to forecast and plan for your boat's upcoming maintenance instead of being caught off guard. Can you imagine knowing exactly what is installed on your boat down to the part and serial number on all of your standard and custom equipment at a moment's notice? Having instant access to your manuals while at dock or at sea and provide custom departure checklists specifically for your boat and your crew and being able to ensure the value and the pedigree of your boat with digital logs recording the full history of every event on your boat. Well, you can. 
with Vessel Vanguard. We are the leading maintenance and safety management software in the marine industry. We work with a wide range of marine industry experts, including yacht owners, captains, ferry and tugboat operators. If you're looking to safeguard your assets and preserve your revenue, visit VesselVanguard.com and schedule a demonstration for yourself. The link can be found in the show notes below. We look forward to supporting you and your vessel soon. And so the, and for the owners of the yachts themselves, is what's the value that you're bringing to the owners so that you can get a, a lower cost? Sure. It's guaranteed days in some cases. Okay. Um, we have pre-bought some days um, on some of our fleet um, because we believe we can deliver those days and charter to them throughout the season. So we have pre-bought some days. Okay, understood. All right. So then you're taking a lot of that, you're taking a lot of risk out of the equation for the actual yacht owners that yeah. have their boats with you. Yes. Okay. So with and, that guarantee. And, okay. Yeah. And also one of the factors is a lot of what we're promoting and a lot of what happens in Naples is shorter trips. So it's not all one week term charters. And I yeah. think this might be a change in the charter industry anyway. People, I think, are not perhaps signing up for those one or two week charters as much anymore as they used to. Mm. They want day trips in locations. They want short trips. I mean, as with everything with human nature, our attention span has shrunk down to about this now, hasn't it? <laughs> a little bit. Um, so, you know, I, I guess that's the nature of the charter industry full stop as well. We were born out of a charter business, an existing charter business here also. And in Naples, it's a lot of day charters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, from that perspective, for an owner, we can plug gaps mm, okay. in their program also. Understood, because they don't have... So it's getting less and less free. You're seeing it get less and less frequent for these longer stints where yeah. the boat is, you know, 14 of those 24 days, this is filled up. It's getting like, hey, we have two day, one day, three yeah. week gap, then one day. Yeah. And, okay. and even since starting with this company, it surprised me talking, you know, particularly at the Newport Charter Show. Um, and I haven't been to a charter show for a few years. The last one I was at was as yacht crew. Um, and being there talking to the yachts, how bigger yachts are prepared to do day trips now. Whereas I think back in the day, when in the day, I mean, when I was working on them, um, day, day charters were like, not so much. They were the smaller boats and, you know, the usually had a lower standard and they weren't super yacht standards. But now I think there's an amazing amount of yachts out there that will do day charters. Hmm. Okay. So for corporate use particularly, that really helps. As long as the price is right and it makes business Correct. sense for them. Yes, yeah. Okay. And really when you compare it to things like a corporate box. So it's football, crazy hockey, different. what have you. It, yeah. It's, it's pretty comparable. Yeah, and if it works for your company and you have more people that would be yeah. interested in doing something like this versus go to a hockey game or totally. football I mean, game. An environment like this, on a corporate level, an environment like this, you actually get to entertain intimately. Mm -hmm. it, it's not noisy. There's not other distractions. There's not things going on. You get to just communicate and spend time with people. Yeah. I mean, this is, uh, you got the back deck. Yeah. Right there's front. the flybridge upstairs. We've got the foredeck, which is lovely, particularly when we're at anchor, sitting out in the foredeck. Yeah. Sundowners out in the foredeck, sensational place to be. Well, and the sunsets over here are... Yes. yes. They, I love this coast for the sunsets. Me too. They, yeah. I do love California and California right. sunsets, but this is, yeah, they're right up there yeah. over here. I yeah. can't complain, but there's a lot of space in this boat. It's, 
it's a uh, really it's almost kind of reminiscent of a, a catamaran where there's this big a lot of wide beam. yeah yeah because a lot of times when you walk into some of these yachts you are it's like a kind of a wide hallway sometimes. yeah it's i mean you, I, I could geek out on yacht design uh -huh. all day but <laughs> i mean the trend to go to really beamy yachts now is, is definitely a big design trend Plus also really plumb bows, so they're so vertical, the bow on so many yachts now. Mm -hmm. So they can push that forward cabin forward and get so much more space yeah. in the hull. Um, and just that bit of extra beam on them as well. Um, it's cool. It allows for a lot of extra fun space on board. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's hard to complain about. No. <laughs> um, so you were on some of these, you were a crew member for over 10 years. Yes. Okay. So how... <laughs> So you, you started, I was looking at your LinkedIn, you started, actually, how did you get, that's a better okay, question. Sure. Before, um, instead of me guessing what. <laughs> to make a long story short, uh, I was living in Australia and I was working in, in sales and marketing back then with a tourism company. Um, and I started traveling a lot with that job and it's hard to put a lid back on that sometimes. And. And shortly afterward, after I started that job, uh, I got a divorce and I bought a one-way ticket out of Australia. And uh, I ended up in Antibes, got on my first yacht there, bummed around the Med on a couple of different boats that summer. And then I ended up on a 76-foot sailing yacht out of Palma and did my first Atlantic crossing on that and was kind of hooked. Okay. Um, what, was, what was... So when you... <laughs> Were you excited about the opportunity to do an Atlantic crossing? Yes. Okay. It was bucket list thing. Okay. Yeah. And what was that experience like going into it? What did you expect? And then what, it, what actually happened? I mean, I think I had visions of, you know, sitting on the back deck, strumming a guitar or something like that. <laughs> yeah. um, and it was really very different to that. Um, I ended up, I was going to be working on that yacht just with myself and the captain. The two of us would run that for charters and this sort of, this sort of thing and for the owners. Um, but on the delivery, we had a, an entirely different crew and anything that could go wrong went wrong. Systems broke down. The boom broke into two pieces. We had all sorts of issues, um, including running out of diesel mid-ocean. And while it's a sailing yacht, you need to run the generator. You've got to power up your hydraulics. So uh, anyway, there was some fun and adventures on that one. So you ran out of fuel in the middle of the ocean? <laughs> yeah, it was um, the captain. I'm not quite sure what, what the thought process was there. But anyway, um, I think we were still from memory about 700 miles from Antigua. Um, and as luck would have it, I'd connected with a wonderful crew agent and, and yachting agent in Palma. So I got on the satellite phone one night, my watch, and just rang them and asked if they knew any yachts that had left recently and might be stopping at the Canaries. So they put us in touch with a yacht. Um, from memory, actually, they coordinated it for us. And this yacht literally met us in the middle of the ocean. They had some red plastic jerry cans tied together <laughs> and threw them over the edge. And we hoisted them on board and put some diesel in the tanks. And that was enough to get you guys... Yeah. We didn't use a lot of fuel as a sailing yacht. Okay. But we had far from ideal weather conditions as well, so there wasn't a lot of sailing to be had. We were always hoping there would be more wind, and I guess that was the captain's thinking that there would be more wind coming, and it just never really came. Never showed up? Nope. 
All right. To checking into light westerlies. Did that end up on future pre-trip checklists was to look out for that stuff? Yes. Yeah, yeah. for me, I mean, I was green at the time, really okay. green. And How many years had you been doing this for when you got... Oh, that was the end of my first season. Which is, you know, an appropriate <laughs> amount of time before you do it. So, yeah. You know, yeah. an Atlantic crossing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, you know jump right in. Um, so, I mean, my knowledge was, knowledge was low, but the experience was high. I learned a lot. Um, and... Uh, and had to manage a lot of different situations. It was great. Did you take a lot of stuff that you learned from that initial trip? Uh, did you carry that onto the other crew and captain? Yes. Jobs that you did. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, you learn more when things go wrong. Um, you know, there's a whole bunch of different sayings about that, isn't there? But um, I did learn a lot. There were some things that became hard and fast rules in my head about things to do and things not to do on board. <laughs> sure. Um, and, you know, this was even before I had captain's tickets or anything. I was just winging it all at this stage. Um, and, uh, yeah, it definitely set me up with some good, nice. good lesson. And so, and then you were a crew member on different boats. And then at what point did you become a captain? Well, I was still on that sailing boat. Um, we had a really super busy program Um you know, doing Med and Caribbean. Okay. We had the owners use the boat for cruising. We also did regattas. Um, so we did sort of the Rolex Maxi in a couple of places and Antigua Classic Week, which is fabulous. Um, and, uh, and then also chartered. So we were really busy, but I think I took off one of the Atlantic crossings and I went to the south coast of England and that's when I did my Yacht Master. So I did the Yacht Master offshore there um, so okay. the, the theory classes on shore for a week, um, and then you go and do your practical, um, which was a hoot, but it was November on the south coast of England, so that was pretty chilly. Yeah, I bet. Um, <laughs> and then at the same time, straight after that, I went over to the west of England, and I did two or three weeks at a cooking school over there. Okay. <laughs> so Why I, did you do that? Well, I was, it was a small boat, so there was just the two of us, and... It was the captain and me, and, uh, and I was everybody. pretending to be the chef on board up until that stage. So I put some time in at a school and learned some tricks. And I bet three weeks of culinary school actually gives you oh, probably paints eighty percent of the picture. It, it helped so much. Yeah, your confidence levels, uh, presentation, the way you handle different foods. It was a lot. It was great. That's got to be exciting to be on a boat where you've got that much responsibility. And it's, uh, I, I actually, one of the areas that we've, we've started talking to has been sport fish captains. Oh, yes. Yeah. And um, I'm learning quite a bit about that world now. And it really is amazing. Some of the difference between yachting and sport fishing, but those guys are doing everything. And yes. I, I was, I was yeah. talking to uh, a customer of ours. He actually just came over to this coast on Monday. Right. So he was just over here. And, uh, this is the owner's for, first sport fish boat, a right. 77-footer, and they've been running sport fish operations for 10 and 15 years, respectively, but the owner, this is their first time. They've right. got other yachts, things like gotcha. that. So they were asking questions like, well, you know, I'm sure crew will take care of it. Like, who takes care of this? And he's like, I do. Who takes care of cooking? I do. I do. <laughs> who, well, who cleans the boat? I do. And it was an, it's an entirely different experience, but there is a, a ruggedness or a, I don't know, it's like a, 
like a soldier aspect of it that yeah. I admire when somebody actually is going through and taking care of many hats at the same time. That's a good way to put it. And I think the guys that run those sport fish boats have a whole nother skill set as well on top of just running the boat. Yeah. Um, you know, they really do. I mean, for me, for a lot of my yachting career, I spent most of it on yachts 80 feet and under um, with some, you know, dalliances on larger yachts. But um, on boats that size, that were usually run with just two crew. And yes, if we had tight turnarounds, we might get day workers in to help, sure. you know, do that, that process. Um, but generally speaking, day to day, the boat was run by two people. Yeah. So the captain had to be a multitasker, um, and most of them were great with that. And I developed skills that made me a multitasker. So captains knew I knew what I was doing around a boat as well. And it was a win-win. Yeah. And so I saw that, so you did that for a while, and then you've gone on to do sales in multiple companies, yeah. and then now you're head of sales here. Well, I went, I went back into sales, I guess. Um, I got offered an amazing job with a company, um, and so I left France, and I, I moved to America in just in 2018. Um, and it was a, I guess it could have been considered a passion project. It was a small builder from New Zealand that had been bought by a company based there. Um, I don't think it's operating now, unfortunately, but he had some great projects going. Um, but it was a small folding sailing trimaran, and it was a boat and a designer that I'd grown up knowing. Because I sailed as a kid in Australia, you know, everyone in Australia does, I think. And we play with the water a lot there. And, um, and so I moved over to, to work with that as brand manager. Um, and unfortunately, could see the writing on the wall with our funding shortly afterwards. Um, and so then I ended up going into yacht sales. Nice. Yeah. So what do you, en what did you enjoy about yacht sales? Hand over day. What do you mean? You know, you've met somebody, they come in, we had two great showrooms up there and actually our boats up there for the most part were 42 feet maximum. Um, but a 42 foot center console, I think is about one point. Four million these days, isn't it? It's you pretty, know, pretty nuts. Um, but anyway, they you know they come into the showroom and you get to know them. You get to understand what they're looking for. They might be experienced boaters, so they're looking for that next three feet up, or it's their first boat. And particularly during the whole COVID era, that period, a lot of people were buying their first boats. So helping them to understand what would be involved in running it. Um, you know, not to scare them off, but to give them a, a reality check before they just dive in. And I don't think, I, I don't think that's a super common practice with brokers and yacht sales. Like, unfortunately, I do hear it pretty frequently right. where it's, they had no idea what they were getting into. And that happened a lot during COVID. I heard right. countless stories where somebody just wanted to sell a boat and it's, yeah, it's going to be, figure it'll be $50,000 a year. And they're like, my bill is $250,000. Right. Somebody must be robbing me. Something must yeah, be wrong. And yeah. it's just the expectation wasn't set up front. It's unfortunate. I mean, it builds up an angst on the part of the owner. Um, but the reality is boats are expensive to maintain. And, and, you know, there are still, well, whether there are still or not, supply chain issues have been, you know, a key word in recent times. Definitely. Um, so if you needed a part, Getting it was the next challenge. Um, but, you know, 
you go through this whole process of getting to know them, you, you land on the right, right boat for them, hopefully. And then in that case, it was often having to order the boat and it'd be a waiting period at that point in time. And so there was quite a journey. Um, but when that boat arrived and you get to greet them with a bottle of champagne, you take them on board and they get to explore their boat for the first time and you take them out on it and, you know, it was just a wonderful day. Mm-hmm. Um, so, all these questions and the directions, it finally all comes to fruition. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they actually see it in the flesh and, and it, it's, it becomes real. You know, it's the culmination of a dream. That's cool. Um, so, you know, that was fun. And I think the nice thing on things like this is you get to do that. For me, I get that experience more, um, you know, with, char- with charters or, or people who come into our program. Every time they step on the boat, it's that new day again. It's delivery day all over again. Yeah, it really is. And so, so now as you go from that role into taking on the head of sales here, what are some of the ways that you, how, how do you focus on what people are looking for? How do you figure out what they actually need? How do you find yeah. a way to deliver that? Like just from a personal philosophy or like a tactical standpoint, what do you, what do you do? I mean, with us, we've got a range of memberships. And so there are different levels that you can come in at. And, and the, in the very early stages, you know, the discussions center around what they've done before with boats. Um, if it's just been, if it's something they've never done before, then you want to explore how they might use the boat and how they, how they see themselves using the boat. Um, and from there, we'll try and work out, okay, well, this membership might suit you best then. We work at the level that would suit them the most. Um, and then of course, from there, it branches out to say, well, now you've got a selection of these yachts and, you know, which size do you see yourself using for which sort of occasion? And, you know, most people have different needs at different times. Sure. If it's a day out with the kids, it's a different boat. If it is that corporate entertaining, it's a different boat. And for a lot of our members, they are business people. So there can be a mixture of corporate into even what is a personal membership also. There's often a business use angle. Okay. So, you know, it's trying to find the best fit for them um, to the membership level. Sure. um, And and paint a picture for them of how they could use it as well. If they're an experienced boater and they've done a one-week trip every year in the Bahamas, maybe there are other ways they could enjoy yachting. Mm -hmm. It could be for corporate use. It could be days in the Northeast. It could be somewhere else. It's just not things they've thought of. Sure. Yeah, and so now that you have basically multiple tools to work with from your side, you can present yeah. some alternatives or find them exactly what they're looking for. That's, that's yeah, cool. Yeah, it's very flexible, which I yeah. love about it as well. Um, you know, again, if you buy a yacht, kind of stuck with that yacht. And if you own that yacht in one location, you're not going to be so inclined to go and charter boats in different locations because you've already got this cost base here. So for me, the flexibility in the program, I think, is fantastic and part of the fun. Uh, you know, I realized a long time ago that what I loved about boats was the experience side of it. I mean, I do like the physical aspect of them, the design of them. Uh, you know, I've always been into that. But, um, but when I'm on them, it's, it's the experience of it that mm-hmm. I think is so important. Um, so for our members, they get to have a fuller range of experiences. Nice. I think it's great. Yeah. So what, what caught you about this company? It's a startup as in a, a career. It's always, it's always 
Yeah. Kind of scary to take a risk and do something like that. Yes, what, it is. Personally, what for you caught you and made you go like, that's it, I'm the in? The people. Yeah? Yeah, the people who are already involved. Um, you know, we're, we're a small team, but we're a great team. Um, Josh Linkner, who is the founder, who naturally, as soon as I heard his name, was like, okay, who's this guy? And Googled him and listened to, he's a keynote speaker. He's written a couple of best-selling books. Um, you know, he, he's a pretty dynamic guy. He's also exited a few tech companies, startup companies. And um, then I got to meet Julie. The first point of contact was Julie Perry, our chief marketing officer. Um, and how we had not met before, I don't know, because we know so many people in common and have all the same friends and just never got to meet. Um, and then Scott Stuckman, who was our CEO. Um, and Scott, interestingly, had just come back from living in Australia for seven years. So we instantly had quite a lot to chat about as well. So the people got me in as well as the concept I thought was interesting. And I think, you know, as we've seen those jet cards flourishing, that concept growing a lot more in recent years, it's going to happen with yachts. So it's just a question of when. Sure. Um, we've seen it work with smaller boats, you know, other companies doing it. Um, at a more basic level, maybe. So what we're do doing now is trying to take it to to full-size yachts. Nice. Yeah. It's exciting. It is. Yeah. Yeah. It's a cool concept too. And it's, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see where it goes. Me so, too. Lou, before we wrap up, is there anything else that you want to touch on? No, I, I really appreciate the time today. It's great to try and get the word out there a bit more. Um, you know, we're really excited about what's coming up and, and this will be our first full season here in Naples, which is our home port. So we're really excited to, to get that underway. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, yeah, introduce a lot, of, a lot of people who have signed up already, have not yet come onto our boats and used it. They're local people here. So they're gone for the summer. They're up in their lake houses sure. or what have you. So they're now on their way down and we're booking up days and we're getting things sorted for them. So it's, it's fun times. That's exciting. Yeah. Nice. Well, Lou, thanks for doing this. Great. I appreciate it. Thanks so much, Chris.